All right, this is what I want to do, is I'm going to have you guys stand in a line right along here, okay? Stand in a line right along here, and I'm going to hold on to these just for a minute, because we're going to do a game with this, okay? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. So stand in line right along here, just like that, just like those two are, and face me, okay? Very good. And uh, Dave, why don't you stand over here? And why don't you just stand right over here? Now, we're going to talk about something that happened um, one day uh, with Jesus. His disciples were there, and um, for some reason, they didn't want some kids to come to him. So this Dave and this Dave are going to be like the disciples, so you can't get through it. I'm going I'm to be like I'm Jesus, okay? All right, now, grab the rope. All right, these guys are strong but maybe you're stronger, okay? So I want you to push the rope until you get past and you can come to me, okay? You ready? What you're going to do is you can get past the rope, then you're going to grab one of the Frisbees and tap me, and then it's yours. All right? All right, so you're going to try and come to Jesus? All right, go. All right, Dave, drop the rope. Drop the rope, disciples. Let him come. Let him grab them. And you got to tap me or touch me with it. All right. All right. Great job, kids. And great job, Daves. All right. So this comes from Mark chapter 10. And it starts in verse 13. So if you can find your way with me to Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, I'm going to read from there. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. Rebuke means they were said, don't come. You, you can't come by Jesus. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. That means he was mad. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. When he lays his hands, it means he's, he's praying for them. He's touching them. He's praying for them. And, and you can write this down. Seek the blessing of Jesus. We need to seek the presence and the blessing of Jesus, just as these parents and kids were trying to do. Um, you see, the same passage in Matthew says, indeed, that Jesus was going to lay his hands and to pray for them. They knew that Jesus would bless them if they could get their kids to Jesus. Now, I imagine the Pharisees were right there with it, and the Pharisees were there looking at these kids and parents trying to get to Jesus, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, who knows what those kids have touched? Those kids are probably unclean. Though I, if Jesus is a holy man, he's going to let those kids touch him. He's not going to let them come near him. And you know what? The disciples bought into it too, right? The disciples were there saying, oh, you know what? Jesus is healing people today. He's doing many great things. You know what? You kids are kind of uh, insignificant. You're not so important. Uh, you don't need to come to Jesus right now. Just, you know, stay back. You and your parents, just stay back. 
But when Jesus saw it, he was upset. These parents knew that the cultural norms were that kids weren't that important. And yet they went to Jesus anyway. Why? Because they knew that if they could have the touch and blessing of Jesus, it would change the whole trajectory of their kids' lives forever. Parents, I want to ask you the same question. Are you doing your best to bring your kids to Jesus, into his presence, so that he can change them, he can touch them, and change the whole trajectory of their lives for for all eternity? I remember when my daughter was two, someone challenged me. They said, hey, are you reading your Bible and praying with your daughter? I'm thinking, well, she's two. Well, no, you should start. Even at two, you should have started before this. And I thought, well, okay. So my wife and I got a little study Bible for kids, and we started to use that with her. She was ready. She was ready to learn how to pray. She was ready to understand what the the Bibles was speaking about and understanding it. And so if you have young kids, don't wait. Get started. And if your kids are a little bit older and you haven't started, start now. Don't wait. Make sure that you're doing whatever you can to bring your kids into the presence of Christ so that he can bless them. And kids, I'm going to ask you to do something too. I'm going to ask you to hold your parents accountable. What I want you to do is tonight or any night this week, if you haven't sat down with your parents and read the Bible, I want you to turn to them. I want you to say, hey, that pastor, Pastor Mike, he said we're supposed to read the Bible. Are we going to do that now? And you make sure your parents do it, okay? Now, adults, teens, and college students, I have a question for you. Are you doing everything you can to get into the presence of Jesus so that he can bless you as well? Are you reading your Bible? Are you spending time in prayer? Maybe even you're doing some fasting. You know, a lot of people talk about having a, a Bible reading plan. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to have goals. But I'm going I'm to take it up one more notch. I'm going to ask you, do you have a Jesus relationship plan? Do you have a Jesus relationship plan? Because just coming to Jesus and being saved isn't enough. It's just like in a marriage. In a marriage, getting married isn't enough. You actually have to work on that marriage and spend time in that marriage and invest in your marriage. It's the same thing with our relationship with Christ. We have to spend time. It's a relationship. And to invest in that. Kids, it's kind of like, do you have a best friend that you really like spending time with and and getting to know them and they know you? It's the same thing. You want to spend time with Jesus and develop that relationship. Now, my wife's love language is quality time. Now, basically that means this. We can uh, go out to dinner, and we can be there at dinner for like a couple of hours, and we could talk about um, things that are going on in our lives, like uh, work or our kids or things that are going on at home. And uh, then we finally get back home, and I feel like, wow, I spent some quality time with her. And she says, we never spend time talking. I think, what? 
She says, no, that's not quality time. That's just business. I want quality time. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what is going on inside you. I want to know your hopes, your dreams. I want to know your struggles. I want to know what Jesus is teaching you when you read the Bible. I want to know what he's teaching about you and me together as a couple. She wants to know deep things. The older I get, I'm beginning to realize that even though God is love, I think his primary love language is quality time. God wants us to do that same thing. He wants us to go to him and talk about our hopes or dreams, the things that he's placing on our heart. He wants us to spend time. And as we read his word, he doesn't want us just to read it and do a Bible plan. He wants us to read it and to understand what it says, to read it so that we see what does this ask me to change, to think different, to do different, to be different. He wants us to ask questions of the text as we come to it, not just read it so we know a little bit more. And when he prays, he doesn't want us to just go on and, and talk about all the things and just ramble on because the Bible already says that he knows what we want before we even ask for it. What he wants us to do is come to him and pray and spend time with him in a relationship. He wants us to talk to him like we talk to a friend. He wants us to read it and understand he wants, us to, he wants us to come and to pray, but at the same time, he wants us to listen to him and to be obedient to whatever he calls us to do, whatever he shows us through his word. He wants us to do whatever he's asking us, not because it lines up with our will, but because it lines up with what he wants to do in our life to give him the greatest glory. So I'm asking you again, do you have a a Jesus relationship plan? Are you abiding in him, in his presence? Do you feel his touch in your life so that he can bless you? Are you keeping your mind on him? The Bible says, it promises that if we keep our mind on him, he will give us his perfect peace. I, I, I saw someone in the hospital this week who had their heart uh, ripped open, veins from their leg, put in their heart in four different places. And that believer said that they had a peace in the midst of all of it because his mind was on Jesus. And that's his promise for us. He wants a deep and growing and intimate relationship with you. A quality disciple walks with Jesus in such a way that they are in a growing and deep and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Seek the presence of Jesus and the blessing of of Jesus. And you can write this down too. Come to Jesus unhindered. Verse 14 says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. We hinder others when we are not a bold witness for Jesus Christ when we dismiss them as not being important or worth the risk of speaking up to them. Parents, maybe you, uh, your kids probably have unsaved friends, right? And they might even be to your house. And they'll come to your house, and sometimes they may say the most outlandish things that are very secular. And maybe you think, oh, just kind of roll your eyes and think, well, I'll have to talk to my kid about that later, right? And 
Adults, you probably have the same thing at work, right? You have people that have a very secular worldview and they say things, outlandish secular things to you that don't align with a biblical worldview at all. And you just kind of roll your eyes and just take a deep breath, right? Here's the thing I want you to understand. Those people can't help it. That child or that adult even, they, they probably grew up in a secular home, and that's all they were taught at home. They went to school, and that's all they were taught at school. You can't expect them to think differently. What you need to do is to show them a different way of thinking. You need to show them how the Bible makes a difference in your life. You need to, you need to express that before them, and for them to be able to see there's a different way of living, there's a different way of thinking and it's bound up in a biblical worldview. Now, I've had times when I've spoken up, and it's been wonderful. But let me be the first to admit that I have had times when the fear of man has held me back from saying something when I could have. Don't do that. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit is in us and can give us the words and the opportunity. Step forward, be bold, and share God's word, his biblical perspective with other people, especially when they come into a problem or a challenge. And don't give up. Don't dismiss people. They say that a person needs to be able to hear the gospel at least 17 times before they come to accept it. We don't know what time they're on. Maybe they're on the first time they're being exposed to it. Maybe they're on the 16th time, and the next time they're going to turn to the Lord. Be persistent and keep sharing Jesus Christ with those who need to know him, who don't know him yet. I've heard it said, someone told me once, that when you are sharing with someone, whether that be an adult or a child, you are the primary missionary in that person's life that God has sent to them to bring them the good news. We had a, a neighbor when we lived in, in their city, and uh, this young man got hooked on drugs, and as he got hooked on drugs, he ended up becoming um, a dealer, and as he was a dealer, he got into all kinds of awful things. And this was right by our house. Our kids saw it, and uh, we were moved together as a family to begin to pray for him. And so we prayed for him, uh, that God would save him. But the police came one day and took him off to prison, and he was gone. But we kept praying as we remembered him. And you know that one day I was outside in front of my yard, and, and this guy comes up, and he says, do you remember me? And I'm like, I kind of remember I know your voice. And then I thought, oh, Julian? That was his name. And he says, I went to prison, and in prison I found Jesus. And after I found Jesus, I decided I'm going to come back out of prison, and I'm going to be a witness to all the other gang people that are here in our neighborhood. And he says, don't call me Julian anymore. Call me Art. God has made me a new creation, and I go by Art now. Be persistent. You never know. Now, I would love to say that... that Everything's a success story. There's another guy who was in the gangs that I had a chance to mentor for a short while. And he ended up going back to the gangs, went into prison because he was stealing a car. 
And then he got deported to Mexico and he never heard from again. But when God lays him on my heart, I pray for him because I have no idea. God may still be at work or God may have already done a work in him. So don't don't dismiss others. Don't give up because we have a God who's the God of the impossible. You can write this down too. Don't hinder yourself. Some people say, well, I don't know Jesus yet, but I can't know Jesus or come to church until I clean myself up. I'm too much of a mess. Well, I have news for you. That mess you're in is a consequence of your sin. And that mess is the very thing that God wants to you to drive you to Jesus to realize you got a sin problem. And you can't fix your sin problem. Jesus on the cross is the only person who can fix our sin problem. You need to come to Jesus. You need to embrace him by faith that he died on the cross for you, for you to be forgiven. And when he does that, he begins to work in you to transform you and to change you. You can't do it yourself. It's God at work in you. And, you know, we forget this, too, even when we become believers, right? We become believers, and then all of a sudden we think, well, I shouldn't be so bad. I I really need to get at this. Uh, And we think that we need to put off the things that need to be put off, and we need to be the ones to put on the things that we need to put on, and we start to try and do it ourselves. But the reality is the putting on and the putting off of our behaviors, bad and good, are actually mediated by the Holy Spirit who is at work in us, and that as we pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, he works and does the transformation so that we become a new creation. Some people are hindered because they think God is like their earthly father. Some of you had an earthly father who was demanding, who always thought you could do better, and no matter how well you did, uh, well, that's good, but you could do better. And so you think that God's love is based on your performance. You think that you need to perform in order for God to love you, but that couldn't be further from the truth because God loves you no matter how you perform. He still loves you. I remember when my first child was born, um, I was there as the doctor was delivering her, and uh, the doctor, the baby came, and the doctor says, it's a girl. And in that same moment, I repeated softly to myself, it's a girl. And a tear came to my eye, and the rush of emotion of how much I I just loved this little baby whom I've never met before. And I was just overwhelmed with the immense and awesome love that I had for her. And then I found out that my wife was going to have a second child. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to take this immense love and cut it in half and take some away from my baby girl to give it to my next child? But there I was, and the doctor said, it's a boy. And the emotional rush came over me again. And I found out that I had the same immense love for that child as I did for the first. God multiplied the love. God didn't separate it and do part to each one. God multiplied that love. And that's how God loves each one of us. God loves us 
wholly and completely more than we could ever understand. And so we can, we can never do anything that would make him take his love away from us. And there's nothing that we can do that would make him love us more. Our love from God, the love God has for us, is not dependent on our performance. Some people think that uh, their, their circumstance should hinder them from coming to the Lord. They think that, you know what, you should look at my life, it's not so good. I don't think God loves me as much as he loves other people because look at what I'm dealing with and look at what I have. And they're focused on their circumstances. And sometimes our circumstances, yes, are the consequences of our sin. But many times our circumstances are not related to that. There's simply something God has allowed in our lives to challenge us to run to him, to seek after him. And in that, he wants to use that circumstance to glorify himself. I'm, do you remember the miracle of the man born blind from John 9? In that passage, the man born blind is there, and um, the disciples are there, and Jesus is there. And the disciples look at the man born blind, and they turn to Jesus, and they say, Who sinned that this man is blind? Was it his parents, or is it him? Was it his fault? His fault or his parents' fault? Got to be sin. That's what caused him to be blind, right? And Jesus says, No, neither. This man was born blind to demonstrate the power of God. I don't know what you're facing in your circumstances. Maybe it's a terminal illness. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a handicap or a disability. Maybe it's simply a financial or a family crisis. Whatever that trial is, I do know this, that God loves you with an immense love. He wants you to come into his presence, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to use whatever illness or disability that is to bring glory to his name, to work the power of God through you that others might see. Because just as the man born blind was healed, after that he went and told everybody what Jesus did. And that's what God wants to do with you too. He wants to use you as a testimony and a witness to many. The other thing that you can write down too is um, don't allow um, others to hinder you. Don't allow others to hinder you. Unfortunately, sometimes the worst kind of conflict and the most hurtful kind of conflict is conflict at church. Amen? Right? We get people who come to church and tell us about places they've been and other things where, you know what, I'm not going back to church because those people are hypocritical and they're judgmental. That's kind of a judgmental statement in itself, but that's how, that's how we deal with hurt, Right? But here's the thing. Even though the church is filled with saints, those who are saved, we are still saved sinners. And the only person I know who ever lived a perfect, holy life who never sinned was Jesus, the God-man. If you're expecting people in church to be perfect and never sin, I got news for you. It ain't going to happen. Don't let the hypocrisy or conflict of other people 
keep you or hinder you from coming to Jesus. And don't let your hypocrisy hinder other people as well. Christ is compassionate and loving and forgiving. He wants us to come to him and he wants to restore us and give us a blessing. He came down from heaven to reconcile us to the Father. And he's also here to help us reconcile with one another as brothers and sisters. Verse 14 says that Jesus became indignant. That means that that he was um, disappointed to the point of being angry. He was upset because the disciples were hindering kids from coming to him. That meant that they were saying some people, in this instant kids, are less important than other people. They're insignificant. And that couldn't be further from the truth with Jesus. Every single person is important. He doesn't care if you're big or short. He doesn't care if you are a bully or if you're the most well-behaved kid in school or at church. He doesn't care if you're severely disabled or if you're a wonderful athlete. He doesn't care if you're homeless and you're smelly or if you came to church in a Bentley and you smell like Chanel number five. He loves each and every one of us with an immense, deep love that's beyond what we can understand and perhaps maybe not even be able to understand when we get to be with him face to face in heaven. Each and every one, each child, each of us, is deeply loved and important to Jesus Christ. Verse 15 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus is stressing that the unhindered person cannot come into the kingdom unless they come in like a child. Well, how does a child come in? Well, let me ask you this. How does a how does, um, how does it happen when a king dies? When a king dies, who, in, who inherits the kingdom? His kids, his son or his daughter. Do they do anything to earn that place? No. It's solely a, a matter of grace. They don't do anything to be able to be the head or to enter into that kingdom. It's the same way with us. There's nothing we can do of ourselves to come into God's kingdom. God provides it for us. It's a, it's a matter of grace, right? Kids probably know grace. You've probably heard this in Sunday school, right? Um, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace, G-R-A-C-E. But basically, grace is when we, when we get the good that we don't deserve as opposed to mercy, when we don't get the bad, the judgment, that we do deserve. And so we need to come like a a child, humble, with nothing to offer, but Christ gives us everything at the cross, forgiveness, mercy, everlasting life. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, I'd like to read that for you. Um, It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
And if we go down to verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Entering the kingdom of God, entering the kingdom of God, is a matter of grace through faith. So we need to come by faith like a child, trusting Jesus like a child, empty-handed and humble. You can write this down. Receive the blessing of Jesus. Verse 16 reads, And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. In the original Greek, it's actually, um, it, it means that he actually took them and hugged them. So he physically embraced them. And then when he prayed for them, it, it means that he prayed for them one at a time. He didn't pray for all of them. He prayed for each of them one at a time. So Jesus hugged them and prayed for them one at a time. Now, we don't know what he said. We don't know what he prayed or the blessing he prayed over them. But we have examples in the Bible, right? Um, Isaac prayed a blessing over Jacob, and he prayed that Jacob would have an abundance of grain. And he prayed that um, whoever cursed Jacob, that God would curse them. And he prayed that whoever would bless Jacob, that God would bless them. And later, when Jacob would bless his sons, he blessed Joseph by saying that God would help him and that God would bless him. We also have, there's a a tradition in the synagogues where the elders would come and they would pray over the the children in the synagogue and they would um, ask for God to show the children favor. And then he asked, um, they would ask that uh, they would be famous in the law the, the law for them would have been the first five books of this Bible. And so it's like us. If we pray for our kids that they should know God's word, they should know the Bible, they should understand it, um, and it should be an integral part of their lives. And then he prayed that they should be faithful in marriage. Um, now, that's kind of a curious thing. My wife and I have always prayed, prayed that um, God would bring a godly wife or husband for our kids. But I never thought about praying faithfulness in their marriage. But now that I have two kids that are married, I I understand that all the more. I want them to have success in their marriage. I want to see them thrive in their marriage, being faithful to their spouse, their spouse to them, and just having a wonderful marriage that, that represents Christ in their lives. And then they would pray for uh, their children to have an abundance of good works. Well, For us, good works are are a way of responding to the love, the immense love that God has for us. And that's our way to express love back to God by expressing love to other people and caring for other people. And so that's that's what we ask God to do in our children's lives. Now, here's the challenge, parents. I don't care if your kids are like 60 or if your kids are two. Here's the challenge. I want you to pray a blessing over your kids. Go ahead and look at the Bible. You can even look in um, John chapter 17. There's another place you can go. That's uh, where Jesus prays for us, all believers that would come to know him. 
anywhere in the Bible, you'll see the immense things that God wants to say to us, how he loves us, his promises. Pray that over your kids. And maybe you don't have biological kids. That's okay. You probably have some spiritual kids. You're probably not even thinking about it. There might be some people that you've influenced or mentored, or maybe even you're the one who brought them to know Jesus. I want you to pray a blessing over those people. And even if you don't have them, I want you to do this. I want you to pray for the people who persecute you. Because the Bible says not to curse them, but to bless them. So if you don't have any of those others, I want, you to, I want you to pray a blessing over those who persecute you, those who trouble you. We always have someone that God is calling us to bless. And so come into God's presence. Come so that he can touch you, embrace you, and bless you. And then in turn, be able to be a blessing to other people. So this is what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to have you all stand up. And um, if your kids are with you, I want you, to, I want you to place your hand on them. Or if you can't get to them, put your hand toward them. Or if your kids aren't here, there's some, just imagine them before you and place your hand toward them to pray for them. And we're going to pray a blessing over them together. Now, after I finish praying the blessing, the, the worship team is going to come on up. And as they come up, they're also going to sing um, a worship song that is going to um, be a blessing over you. As, this, as they sing, you can sing along, but I want you to imagine that Jesus is here and he's praying a blessing from God the Father over you as well, okay? So if the, if the worship team wants to come on up just so that you're here, so it's just as soon as I finish. But I also have a, a, a secret behind that. My two sons are here. And uh, I'm going to have my wife come up too. You guys just stop here. We're going to pray for you too, okay? And then you guys can start as I finish, all right? Okay, let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word that reminds us and challenges us to, to get into your presence and to be with you and to come to you unhindered, not to allow anything to stand in the way of being able to get to you, not ourselves, not others. And Lord, may we never hinder someone else from getting to you. But Father, I just pray that you just continue to show us how uh, to be a blessing to others, to receive blessing from you. But right now, Lord, just to pray a blessing over our kids. And so Father, I just pray indeed that you would make each one of these children into the men and women of God you desire them to be. Lord, give them opportunities to, to hear your word, to hear good news, and to respond in a mighty way. And Lord, use them in a mighty way to proclaim your word to many. May many come to know you through their understanding. And Father, I just pray too that you would um, bless them with godly spouses someday, those who will be married. And Lord, those who will not be married, Lord, I just pray for them to have great contentment 
and having a relationship with you. Because, Lord, you are all we need. You are above and beyond what we could ever ask for. Just grow a deep and intimate relationship in each one of them that is forever satisfying. And, Father, make them famous in your law. Help them to know your word in and out. But, Lord, not just know it with their head, but know it with their heart. To be able to live it out so the Lord, that they would express it through an abundance of good works. And Lord, I just pray that you would protect them from the enemy, go before them, behind them, above them, and at their side at all times, protect them. Keep them from temptation, and Lord, keep their minds stayed on you that you might place your perfect peace in their hearts. And so, Father, just guide them and direct them in every way that through their lives they would bring you the greatest glory. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.